Sunsets from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. In the light of eternity. Eternity is the light that shines from the ancient past into the present and into the future to wind up all that God purposes to do. Eternity is real. For those of us who've only tasted now and here with our views and our conditioning based on earth, God sent this word to remind us that eternity is coming and we must live in the light of eternity. This is an invitation to you to live in the light of the total picture of God. Many times we catch a wave in fact, when we watch movies like Left Behind, we catch a wave of that event, rapture. And the church is hanging on to the word rapture so much, the church doesn't know that rapture is like wedding, but the marriage is eternity. Do you understand? Rapture is like what? The wedding ceremony. But, the, but, but eternity is like the marriage. We shouldn't even be hung up on rapture as much as we are hung up on the marriage, the eternity of God, living in the light of eternity. Truly, the sun is setting and the world as we know it is disappearing. The world is imploding. Every day you hear it in the news, you read it, in the broadcasts, you, you see it on social media, the world is winding down. So it may not be popular, but this is the right message for the hour. Imagine that you're in a plane that is going to crash. And I think it's Pastor Tony who used to give this illustration. The plane is certainly going to crash. You look out, the pastor looks, the pilot looks out the window, left engine is gone. Looks at the right window, right engine is gone. He knows for a surety that the plane is going to crash. Then he now says to everyone, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Those of you in first class, please come up to cockpit. We have special arrangements for you. Those of you in business class, move up to first class. Those of you in economy, come up to business class. We're changing the game. All the food is on the house. All the more drinks. That is actually how we are behaving in the world. Despite the news, we are trying to inure our ears so that we won't hear. Despite all the signs, we are trying to make sure that we don't understand. We are pushing ourselves into a place where we don't realize that the sun is actually setting. The sun is setting. Let's say there was a morning and there was an afternoon. We literally are in the evening season of the world's existence. This is that hour. This is that season. The sun is setting. Let's read this together. First Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. Let's read it together. Can you see it? Is it bold enough? One, two, go. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel, with a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So, this, this eternity, we know we read this scripture only at funeral services. This scripture is not for funerals. This scripture is for journey. We only read this scripture. I don't know how many people read this scripture for morning devotion. But that's actually what it's about. It's for odyssey. It's for the, it's for the journey through earth. It's for the treacherous march through earth for us to remember. As we march through treacherous earth, something phenomenal is going to happen. One day, the trumpets of God will sound. The heavens will break open. And Jesus Christ himself will be standing on the clouds. And those of us who are alive will be caught up to meet him in the air after the dead break open from their tombs. We think, I don't know, there are so many people who have died under the sea. There are so many people who have died and their death was by, by what? The incineration, what do you call that death? Cremation. We don't know how their bodies gather. Leaving the people in the grave, are they still there? They're not there. Even some bones are, are weathered and gone. So the whole process of the dead rising first, we don't know. But the Bible says they will show up every single spirit that God had created that lived in righteousness with God will show up together with God in the air. In this day, those of us who are alive and remain shall meet our Jesus in the air. It doesn't look, it doesn't sound as attractive as it used to sound when I was younger. Somehow when you taste life a little bit, you're not quite looking forward to rapture or the end. But this actually is scripture God says we should use to encourage one another. We always have what we think we haven't done. Like, God, I never marry. God, I'm not ready. God, I have not hammered. Second Corinthians 4, verse 17 to 18. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things which, are, which we can see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. For the things you can see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. When was this written? let's say 2,000 years ago, just right after Christ, Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth and said, they will soon be gone. You know, a thousand years like one day before God. <laughs> it's like, so soon in the seasons of God, 
Pastor Chintok told us last week about how a day in God is not calendar days. God uses a season, a moment in time when he's going to do some work. So, these things which were seen will soon be gone. These things which you have right now will soon be gone. This world as you know it will soon be gone. And we have all the evidence. When we're praying this morning, I was talking to the people who gathered to pray and said to them, only in the last three days, 500 people have died between Palestine and Israel. People are dying. In Nigeria, they will show up in Niger State. We don't even chronicle anymore. Plateau State. One time I went to Jaws. It was all over the news. I didn't even hear a word of it in Lagos. 120 people killed on Saturday night. By Sunday morning, a whole village wiped out. People are dying. And the people who are doing these things are men's hearts way more callous than ever. This is a sign of the end time. But guess what God says? Read this out. The next slide. Read it out. What does he say? Can we read this together? For our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond comparison. Read it again. For our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond comparison. One more time. For our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond comparison. One last time. For our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond comparison. Everything you go through on earth, every journey, every pain, everything that seems to be against you, every adversity you face is not, is not, is not the end of you. Is doing something in your eternity. I know so many people want to be great people, but what God does for them, he produces adversity and they sit in contention and they sit in places where they don't understand and they are angry and angry and agitated and asking God, God, remove this burden from me. And God begins to say to them, your light and momentary affliction is producing an eternal weight of glory. Your light problems, the issues you have, the challenges right now is producing eternal weight, eternal weight, eternal weight. Ashante Makuteba, and our eyes will be open to see eternity. Eternity, eternal weight, eternal weight. That's what God invites us to. C.S. Lewis said this. It says that the fact that our hearts yearn for something earth can supply is proof that we don't belong here and heaven is our home. The fact that your heart longs for, mm, the fact that your heart keeps yearning for a perfection, 
You keep looking for something. When you're single, you look to be married. When you're married, you keep looking for children. When, you're, when you have children, you look for excellent young men and women. When you have them, you need money. When you need money, when the more you have money, ah, some people chase money so much. When you have the money, you, you're still not satisfied. This earth doesn't satisfy. This earth doesn't satisfy. It is a clear proof that you belong to somewhere else. There is something that is calling you. It's heaven. Heaven is where you belong. Heaven is really where you belong. Eternity is where you belong. Young people do not preach this message. We're always talking about being earthly relevant. We're always talking about being relevant here and now. We're always talking about how to be cool on earth. How to be amazing on earth. So, why is eternity the subject of today? Number one, earth is not everything. Earth is not everything. Ah. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like we are so, we're so amazed by the earth, but the earth is really not everything. And number two, eternity is real. Eternity is real. I want to remind you that eternity is real. Number three, the whole earth lies in wickedness. I think I was sharing with some people this week and I was saying to them, do you think like earth is a beautiful place? And I say to myself, what a wonderful world. I see dreams and colors Red roses too. And I think to myself. And I say to myself. What a wonderful world. Don't play it the next time. I don't know it. <laughs> the earth. Do you know when the people of heaven see earth? They see earth like a gulag like a prison yard. They don't see the beauties we see of earth. The beauties of earth pale. When the people who go to heaven, see heaven, they never want to come back to earth. Heaven is amazing. Heaven is beautiful. There's no disobedience in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. No one makes no one afraid in heaven. Heaven is the perfection. Pastor Isi told us a story about how when she had surgery, she had a vision that she was taken up into heaven. And I think Omoye, I shared this on the group Joseph and Daniel sharing with this weekend. And Omoye, her husband's a niece was there in heaven already before her and she was showing her, oh, come and see my room. Come and see my room. And she entered Omoye's flat and she, as she was entering, she said, she said, ah, I wish I can see Jesus Christ. She said, one character of heaven was total peace. And it was so serene. Peace. That it was bordered by so much light. And after she was talking to Omoye, then the door opens. 
Jesus comes in. Say, Jesus, you heard me say, Jesus says, I hear everything. All the desires, all the wishes of people, none left on the ground. Heaven is a place of perfection. And she said that Jesus began to tell her the things that he had planned for the earth. They were talking, 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 and then Jesus telling her, I'm going to do this. And then Jesus looks at her and said, do you want to stay? That's how people used to go. Jesus said, do you want to stay? And she said, yes, 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 I want to stay. <laughs> and then Jesus looked like, so she discovered that Jesus did not want her to stay. So, as she flipped the moment, she saw herself in the hospital room. Like, she said that at that time, she doesn't have, she didn't have, she didn't have she's a testimony she has shared, so I'm free to share it as well. She hasn't had a baby, Judah. She hadn't had a baby in eight years of marriage at the time she had this, this event. She said it didn't come up. She didn't remember to tell Jesus, Jesus, remember, I don't have baby. It didn't come up. It, was not an, it wasn't an issue. Can I tell you something? In heaven, there are no problems. No problems. Whatever your problem is, it doesn't exist in heaven. When you start praying, the first thing you feel is peace. Why do you think that? You're connecting to heaven. When you start praying in tongues, the first thing you feel is the mindset of heaven. There are no issues in heaven. No one taking advantage of nobody. No one stealing your money. No one taking credit. No one doing you harm. There's perfect harmony in heaven. The fear of death is that we don't realize that the whole earth is lying in wickedness. So we hope, we are hoping for the best in the world. We are crying and agonizing over the world. We are living so painfully aware of what men are doing to us. We are so earthly aware. Then, if earth was perfect, why would we need redemption? Do you know we're still going to be saved? We're saved when we give our lives to Christ. We are being saved as we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we shall be saved when Jesus returned from the broken earth. If earth was perfect, we wouldn't need saving again. We shall be saved. For these four reasons is why eternity is a desire that all of us must nurse. Tell someone, nurse a desire for eternity. Say to someone else again, nurse a desire for eternity. Desire it. Desire the totality of all that God has in store. It's only dead men who can live. It's only men who have already died that can stand up and live on the earth without fear of earth. It's only men who have tasted heavenly life that can live in earth without shaking up because of the problems of earth. Desire eternity. Hallelujah. Amen. And John chapter 1 verse 4 to 5 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
and the darkness did not comprehend it. The darkness never overthrew the light that was Christ. This light is a light to guide all men. This light is a light to show all men where they should be headed and where is our light seated in heavenly places with Christ, with God the Father. There's light. There's a light that is shining from eternity into the present world. There's a grace that is flowing out from the presence of God into earth realm. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's read this together. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith, that is, with an enduring trust in God and his promises, subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promised blessings, closed the mouth of lions, extinguished the power of raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became mighty and unbeatable in battle, putting enemy forces to flight. This is eternity living. When we realize that when we connect with the power of God, we have a resonance on earth. This is eternity living when we know that our future in God is more real than our future on earth. This is eternity living when we plan with thousands of years in mind, not just the 50 years we have on earth. This is eternity living when we reach out beyond our work and our family and our investments and we begin to walk into purpose. This is eternity living when we begin to walk into purpose. We begin to step out from earth realm into the purpose realm. And the purpose realm is where we touch others. Where you live beyond yourself. Where you live for the assignment of God. Where you live to make something different. Where you live to touch children. Where you live to touch another generation. Where you live to make a difference in the world. This is eternity living. When you break out of earth. And there's another place called God's kingdom. Step into the kingdom today. Jesus said to his disciples, if you do these things in the beatitude, how did he say, you shall not enter the kingdom, you shall not see the kingdom of God. Blessed, how did he say that scripture? Who remembers? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are, what, which one did he say you will see the kingdom? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, we don't see that way. Do you know we don't see it that way? We see the kingdom as if it's something that we're already doing. Jesus was talking to his disciples who were already with him and supposedly in the kingdom and he was saying to them, you will see the kingdom of heaven. What was he talking about? Eternity. Beyond this space which we occupy is another space. Beyond these times we live in is another time, another season. 
And that season is called eternity. And this is definitely not what the world wants to hear. This is not the message the world wants to hear. If I came this morning and I said, man, I've been with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost wants to do mighty things in the lives of many people here. Oh, I have an anointing for making billionaires. Unlocking destinies. I have the gates in the heavenlies. To release upon the people of God. And everyone who comes by the gate I open. Is like the very gates of Cyrus. I have the keys of Cyrus. People of God, don't play with me. I prayed for someone yesterday and the gates of Cyrus were open to them. And I said to them, if I be a prophet, after the order of Melchizedek, what I'm saying must come to pass. I will make you in this world. Look for men who make you mighty. These are the preachings we like. Take dominion, you will conquer. I will open before you the secret places of riches. God told me that I am one of the people in the world who he gave the key to the secret riches of hidden places. And please don't play with the man of God. Don't play with this anointing. Don't play. Don't play with this anointing. This anointing has set up kings. I raised kings. I raised generals in the Lord's army. That's what we like to hear. If a message comes and says, shape up for eternity, we think it's dry. If a message comes and says to us, put yourself together, be ready to meet your God, live for bigger than here. Earth is cheap. Life on earth is cheap. Dogs, cats participate in it. Life on earth is so cheap. Human beings die like dogs. The Bible says righteous men die and no one takes account. Life on earth is nothing. It's nothing. Eternity is everything. Do you know why God sent you here? He sent you here as a holding place for eternity. Come, tell someone, come on a journey. Come to eternity living. Step past the earth. Get into your purpose. Your purpose will unlock eternity. God's purpose, not just your personal purpose because people are now saying, if you walk in purpose yesterday night I was trying to watch movies about eternity apparently there's one lady who has done manifesting and the video just kept popping up 
Can you imagine only three years ago, this lady was broke and had only $8 in her account. But now she is the queen of manifesting. She has manifested so much. She has billions of dollars in her account and has so much business right now. Come, let me teach you. This advert from Mind Valley. Some, Come, let me teach you how to manifest. This person has is being the one who has taught billionaires the keys how to make manifestation real. Can I tell you something? Oh, I see. When I'm preaching Amiibo, earth moves into purpose and purpose into eternity. Tell someone, come into eternity living. I'm taking it easy today. I'm sure you know I'm taking it easy. I'm learning from Pastor Chain Talk how to take it easy. In the past, we've talked about people who are heavenly minded, earthly useless. But now I tell you, we need to take the message back to people who are heavenly useless and earthly minded. Because that's where most of humanity is. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. Read this with me, the red part. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Or will he profit you to be in the world centers? to gain everything the world has and lose his soul. I was sent to people at prayer meeting yesterday morning. I said to them, how many of you know, how many of you have heard Paris Club? Paris Club. You know who they are. They're just a club in Paris. A group of guys in Paris who live in Paris. That's why it's called Paris Club. It's like Lagos Motorboat Club or Ekoi Club. They are so rich that the World Bank goes to them to collect money to borrow to nations. So, there are actually people in the world who are wealthy like that. There's a club called the San Francisco Gentleman's Club. It's the richest club in America. People have wealth. And they are not on the list of like the Shell Brunet or Bill Gates or Elon Musk level. So, they are not, not known. People have money. They can borrow to nations. And many of them are not believers. So when you see a man like Elon Musk. And everybody's hailing him. And actually truly. The guy is crazy. It's daring. NASA used to send rockets to outer space once. And it was unusable afterwards. He created a reusable space shuttle. I was in satellite communications about 15 years ago and I, when they were saying Elon Musk was going to go, that's why I was like, I beg, boasting. He did it. And guess what? When the vessel comes back, it re-enters again into outer space. Reusable space shuttle. So the guy is mad. Literally. Crazy. Incredible. So this is the kind of guy we all desire. 
But what is he like in his personal life? Divorced two times. His children don't talk to him. The children say to him, about him that he's a scumbag. He's not a person to live with. So can you see how the devil does in such a way that you arrive at everything you're looking for. But everything that matters, you don't have. Earthly living, earthly living is nothing. What will it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? I know this message, at the level I'm taking it, I'm trying to simplify so all of us can get it. When the World Bank, WEF, World Economic Forum is hiring scientists to hack into the human mind, and to create things that will make human beings to be hackable creatures. Like Yuval Harari, the one who wrote Origins and Sapiens, is, is a consultant to the World Economic Forum today. And he said, forget the divinity of humanity. Human beings are not spiritual. They are not anything. Human beings are just hackable animals who can hack their mind. Who can put robots on their systems. Who can get into their brain. Who can get their matter. Who can get intelligence out of human beings hack into human beings what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul you are the biggest you are the richest you are known in all the cities of the world but you can't keep a family you are not really happy you are not joyful when you go to bed at night you wonder what's the purpose of everything you have done that's what the devil is offers us. The devil offers us that thing for us to feel like we're on. We're good guys. We're bubbling. We're happy. We're the main guys. We're the controllers. Yesterday I dropped my daughter somewhere up at 7 a.m. It was Balarabi Musa. And I saw hundreds of people coming out in the morning so happy. Yesterday morning, so happy. All their, all their dresses here. And then I was looking at the building to see. And then I saw, oh, Quillogs. The back of Quillogs. Some of you will never know what that means. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Right? Like, people are so excited in, on Saturday morning after dancing all night. The only people who are boring is Christians in vigil. If we say, let's do vigil, some of you will come with blanket. will come with wrapper. You say, hey, we're going to die tonight. <laughs> Let's do prayer meeting. You do everything to avoid that prayer meeting because you feel like, pray for two hours. How? How can I do it? Can I tell you guys something? What shall it profit you to be on in the world and useless in the kingdom of God? What shall be profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So, this is actually the normal mindset we see with everyone. So, you have generally the things I call rites of passage. That's growing up, getting a job, going to school, working life. Then after 
going to school, you now have aspirations. The thing is goals. This is where most of you are right now. You are in this place. Aspirations. is the middle age syndrome. Say someone, you have the middle age syndrome. This is the middle age syndrome. Where we are trying to buy a house. We are trying to get a car. We are trying to get real estate. We are trying to get married. Start a family. Trying to get some money. Trying to be a billionaire. This is the middle age syndrome. Guess what happens to the middle age syndrome? Once you get the evening of your life, everything that was middle age becomes corrosive. How many parents have built houses their children will stay in? Built five bedroom houses. How many of you, this is your story. Your parents have built a house and say, a room for each one of my children. Their idea of a house for you is just not your idea of a house for you, right? I remember my dad building his house in Makodi and saying to me, like, Moses, this house at the back is for you. I'm like, your house at the back is for me? His idea of a house for me was just not a house for me at all. Do you guys understand how he would have killed himself trying to gather money to build a house for his son? A house I'm not interested in. What are you doing that the people in your world have no interest? Somebody saw a vision how somebody was gathering plates, pans, metal pans, golden pans, and all of the pans, after a while, began to rust. They began to rust. Imagine you running around and gathering pans, rusted pans. If you I can look back to 1985, when my dad, okay, 1985, most of you were not born. But that was when my dad bought his first car, a Volkswagen. Volkswagen doesn't even exist in Nigeria anymore. That B2. We're all so happy. I could remember that car, pure white car. I don't even have pictures. Back in those days, didn't take much pictures. We're not as vain as we are now, storing everything. All of you, you're suffering from memory problems on your phone. <laughs> Too much collection. Can I tell you something? Everything on earth gets corroded. Don't try to be so earthly relevant that you're heavenly useless. It says, do not lay treasures for yourself on earth where thieves break into steel, where moth and rust corrupt. This is eternity living. This is eternity living. C.S. Lewis again says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who taught most of the next. It is since Christians have largely it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they become less ineffective in this. Guess what God, guess what this man of God was saying? He was saying that for you to be effective in this world, you must have your eyes in eternity. The people who have their eyes in eternity are the ones who are redemptive on earth. 
The people who have their eyes looking into the eternity of God are the people who can master earth. We talk about mastery all the time when we're all looking for mastery and mastery and skills for mastery and how to be masters in the game of earth. Who desires to be master in eternity? Who longs to know what the heart of God is? Who longs to know how nations will be when Jesus comes? Who longs to know what life looks like beyond here? For you to be effective on earth means that you understand how it is to be effective in the presence of God. And the person who connects the life of God in eternity will become powerful on earth. I give you four keys as to how the light of eternity works and we'll end today. Four, four actions that you need to take to get yourself ready for eternity. Number one, declutter. Number two, prepare. Number three, lay up treasure. Number four, set your priority. If you want to live in the light of eternity, these are the four ways to prepare to live in the light of eternity. Number one, declutter. Let's read this together. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are Oh my God, you guys are so sleepy. Can we read it together like a church? One, two, go. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that switch so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Declutter your life. There are two things mentioned here. One is the weight. You know what weight is? Weight is different from sin because it emits it every weight and the sin. Weight is the normal activities of everyday life. Like your job, like your children, like taking care of your house, like living a life of essence, like fashion, like food, like clothes, these are weights. What is the thing that is affecting most of us? It's not even seen. It's weight. You don't have money. Other people look better than you. You feel sad. Weight. You can't talk very well like other people in the, in the open. You feel bad that other people are better than you. What's that? Weight. You need some appearance of success. You want to just do some things and you think like, God, why can't you just do this, these little things? What are those things really? Wait. Wait. Cast off every weight. Lay it aside. It means it's us who will, the job, who will do the job of laying the weight aside. Amen. And then the sin that so easily besets us. Besetting sin. There's lots of teaching on this. I'm not going to dwell too much on it. But what I'm going to say about besetting sin is, besetting sins are simply the sins we love. You understand? You know how we all say we love God? But there are some sins we love more than God. 
You may not love money, but you love what money can do. You love the power that money gives. Some people love sex. Just love it. Just love the feeling of sex. Some people love to have the last word. When everybody's talking, they want to be the ones to say the last thing. You know, my daughters and I play this game. I touch you, if I touch you, touch me. So who's going to touch last? The person who touched last, the winner. <laughs> we want to have the last word, especially with anger. Let me tell you something about anger. Anger subsists in the place of when somebody reduces you, you want to pay them back. Anger subsists in the place of pride. Pride is the origin of anger because you feel reduced by this person. So you don't realize that you are prideful. So the way to win is to always do something worse than what the person has done to you. That's the way to win in an angry contest. So I just want to encourage you guys to see that this sin which so easily besets us is the sin we love. So you love how you feel when you win the argument. You love how, they, how the thing ended. You know, you love how you want everything. So as a result, you are unable to journey. But this is the character we must produce if we want to live for eternity. Living in eternity is not, is not under other theological teachings. Because people are now saying, oh, we're not talking about eternity anymore. What are you talking about then? If you're not talking about eternity, what are you talking about? What are you teaching? Eternity is everything. Declutter your life. Live lighter. Hallelujah. Number two. Prepare. Let's read this together one more time. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Then verse 8 says, we are confident, yes, rather pleased to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. What Paul was saying is, I'd rather live, I'd rather die than live. Absent from this body, present with the Lord. And this is not a funeral message. When somebody preached like this, and then a few weeks later, somebody dies, then they will say, ah, this man knew he was going to die. That's why he was preaching about eternity. No. So we live in the paranoia of the fact that if we are to talk about eternity, somebody will die. Nobody's dying. We're living in the light of eternity. Say amen. Amen. Some people are so afraid. I don't want to hear that message just in case God prepares me finally to go home. No, that's not the point. The point is that the person who dies is the one who is ready to live. The person who is dead to this world is the person who is ready to live. Are you ready to live? Are you ready to live? Then die. Now, prepare. Believe. Set your heart. Be confident of this. Prepare for eternity. Prepare for eternity. And if you are to close your eyes today, you are ready to meet your God. 
Prepare for eternity. Tell someone, I want to preach to you. Are you ready to meet your God? Are you washed? Are you cleansed? Do you have any unconfessed sin in your life? Point at them. Do you have any unconfessed sin in your life? If Jesus were to come today, are you ready to meet him? Tell someone, if Jesus were to come today, are you ready to meet him? I can see some of you, you are putting your eyes in your phone now. This is just not the time for that. Tell someone, if Jesus were to come today, are you ready to meet him? Are you ready? Have you confessed? Are you not angry with me? Are you not angry? Are you not bearing malice? Are you ready to meet your God? Are you prepared? One day, these curtains will tear open and a new realm will open. And this is only for those who have been made ready. There's no more time. There's no more time. Eternity living is actually being aware that this world is passing away. Prepare to meet your God. Prepare to meet your God. Prepare to meet your God. One day, this world will pass away. All the systems we built, all the principles we taught people for dominion, all how we taught people how they can take the gates of their enemies, all we taught about earthly relevance, all we taught about leadership potential, all we taught about access to the treasure rooms of the gates of this world. Everything we teach men will pass away suddenly and the clouds and the heavens and the earth will be rolled away with a great and fervent heat. And men will cry because they were ready for everything else, but they were not ready for eternity. Get ready. Prepare to meet your God. Confess every sin right now. Says, Lord, I have lost of the flesh. I have lost of the eyes. I have pride of life. Confess your sins right now. So, Lord, there's sins of omission. There's sins of commission. Things I've done. Things I don't even know I've done. The psalmist says, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a righteous spirit within me. Cleanse your heart, church of God. Cleanse your heart. Lord, I confess. I confess. I confess the darkness in my heart. I confess that I'm not perfect towards you like I should be. I confess my prayerlessness. I confess my laziness in spiritual things. I confess my lack of hunger, lack of desire of pursuit. I confess that lost fasting themselves to my heart and to my eyes. I confess that pride works to penetrate into my heart, oh God. So help me, oh God. Wash me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Cleanse my heart, oh God. I prepare myself for eternity. Do not leave me behind, oh God. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. As you call on others, as you call on others, remember me. 
Remember me, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, lay up treasure. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rot destroy, where thieves break into steel. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is what C.S. Lewis was saying. If your treasure is in heaven, your heart will be heavenly. If your treasure is in God, your heart will be in God. If the thing that is of most value to you is eternity, then all of a sudden your heart will gravitate towards what, where your treasure is. Can you find your treasure in God? Lay up treasure. Lay up treasure. Number four, set your priority. Let me go back to number three for a minute. Lay up treasure. Where are you richest? If I'm going to ask this morning. Where are you richest? Where, in what things are you the most rich? Let's ask this church, ask someone, in what things are you the most rich? Where do you flourish? What conversations do you easily have? What do you really know the most? What do you like talking about? Like my daughter, my first daughter, I find that many times I can't reach her. So guess what I do when I want to really reach her? I talk about football. I go and read a bit. I hope she's not watching today. Because I'm leaking my strategy. I'm going to read, her team is Man U. So I, 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 ask, I ask her, be, be, between Messi and between this person, who do you think is the best player? Between Messi and Ronaldo. You say, it's Messi now. I'm like, are you sure? Ronaldo is really good. Then all of a sudden, she'll break out. But you know this player we bought in sociology? I'm like, you bought Who? So all these footballers, yeah, in Africa, buying. <laughs> buying people who don't know you. <laughs> buying, you see, your, your hard-end Naira to buy a T-shirt. It's just a T-shirt. <laughs> I just buy a white T-shirt. I'm better than you. You buy a T-shirt, expensive T-shirt. And you travel all the way to England to the team. And you sit in the hall of the team and you're so excited about the team. Where are you most rich? What conversations are you most wise? Some people is in devices, talk about gadgets. They're going to, they just come animated, you know, and the iPhone 20 is going to come out. When the iPhone 20 is out, you guys are going to see it. It's going to be a time when you just whisper to the phone. You throw something to the phone. You can type in the air. An iPhone 20 will just receive your fingerprints. Some people are just geeks. Some people are cars. Like, yours sincerely. <laughs> if I really want to gist with Lotana, all I have to do is just talk about cars. <laughs> Like, do you think the Cayenne is better than Toyota? Do you think Toyota is the car for Nigeria right now? Do you think, what kind of engine do you think? Like, the guy who just said, 32cc, like, this is an Amabak. 
I'm alive. This guy who doesn't talk to nobody, no gossip, no gist, nobody just going straight this way. But there is a number you can press. Try it and see. <laughs> Where do you come alive? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in the eternity of God, if your value system is about heaven, if the things that make you jump and make you cry is about God, if the things that make you excited is about God, if the things that make your blood boil is about heaven. So Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him who called me and to finish his work. What Jesus was saying is, what gives me pleasure, what makes my heart excited, what I live for is to do the will of the one who called me and to finish his assignment. So he was able to stand in John 17 and say, Father, the hour has come. Has you given eternity life to as many as, as you sent. Lord, this is life eternal that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I've finished the work which you gave me and now, Father, give me the glory which I had with you before the world began. Jesus began to pray an intense prayer of craving and say, Lord, I've done the assignment. He said, Lord, I pray for these ones who you've given to me that none of them will be lost. I pray that you Keep them in the world. Keep them by your word. Your word is true. It says, of all that you've given me, I've lost none except the son of perdition. So it may be fulfilled the scripture. Everyone you've given me, I've kept. I've given them the life that you gave to me. Can you say the same? There are a few people who said in the Bible, I've finished my course. I've finished the transaction. I've completed the assignment. And now, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. Say, Amen. Amen. Eternity living. I'm laying up treasures in heaven. I'm building my attention on what counts. I'm setting my priority on heavenly things. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Touch someone and say you are dead. You are dead to the world. You are dead to the systems of this world. You are dead to the things of this world. Please die. Tell them die, 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 die. Die, die, Katusatama. Die. You're too alive to the things of this world. Die. Die to the things of this world. Die to the affections of this world. Die to the desires of this world. Die to this life and this and this desire to be proud among men and to be king among men. Die to this world. For you are dead. And your life, which you have now, is hid with Christ in God. So set your affection. It means there's something you can do about it. You can set it. You can set it. You can make the adjustment required. You can do it. You can do it. Say, I can do it. Say, I can do it. I can do it. I can set my affection. I can renew my heart. 
I can change the things that count to me. I can alter the things that are important to me. I can shift my priority. Yes, Lord, I ask, oh God, that you give me the grace to shift my priority. I ask, oh God, that you give me the grace not to take for granted heavenly things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In summary, declutter. Declutter from earth. Prepare for your calling. Prepare. Lay treasures in heaven and live for Christ. Declutter from the earth. These are prayers to pray. Each of these things is a prayer. Some of them are actions you need to take. You pray and you act. Declutter. Live simple on earth. Some of you think you already live simple, but you don't. Live simple on earth. Many things still hold your attention. This is the way for eternity living. You want to look into the clouds of eternity. You want to peer into the eternity of God. You want to look past this world and past now and past the system that currently exists. Apply these principles. These are the principles for living in the light of eternity. There's a light coming out from the eternity of God. This light is calling all men to live for bigger. It's calling to the enterprise of God among human beings. This light is inviting us to join the eternity of God. Many men in their time called upon God. The last time I was preaching, I was talking about Enoch. And Enosh, how Enosh was born. And from that time, the birthing of Enosh coincided with men calling upon the name of God. God and the whole of heaven have been looking down into the royal banister, through the royal banisters of heaven into earth. Considering the human race, God is looking for men and women whose eyes are perfect towards him. Whose hearts are are ready to receive what he has to say. God is looking for men and women who are ready for this time. God is looking for men and women who have tuned themselves, who have cut themselves from earth, who have cut themselves from the journey of the brokenness of earth, who are living larger than now, who everything in their lives that they are doing right now is anchored unto the eternity of God. God is inviting us to be those people. God is inviting you to be that person who considers to declutter your life. So pray about decluttering this morning. Pray that you are decluttering from earth. Ask God to help you to set your affection, to reduce the burden, to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you so you can run with endurance. Say, Lord, I cast off the weight. Say, Lord, I cast off the weight. Say, Lord, I cast off the weight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Finally, the Ethiopians and the Kenyans are known to have the marathon record for the whole countries in the world. They just go from town to town once there's a marathon, collect the prize money and go back home. That's literally what they do. Why? Because in the place where they live, 
the air is very thin. They live in mountainous regions. So their training is running across mountain. The air is very thin. So you breathe faster, it's lighter, it's more difficult to run in those high altitude places. So when they come to low altitude, it's like a piece of cake. So just see them going. After two hours, they are running. I'm like, what? And then if you see them, no flesh. They have a regimen. So they always win all the world prizes in, 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 in athletics. Always. Anything that has to do with long distance. They don't bother themselves with many things. But that long distance is their thing. You don't see them in relay, no 100 meters dash. That long distance, they know they have special skill. And why? Altitude. The higher you live, the further you can go. Write it down. The higher you live, the further you can go. It's altitude. Second thing. If you watch people who train for boxing and for anything that has to do with resistance game, sometimes they tie sandbags on their hands, on their feet, and run and train with those things. People who do long jump, triple jump, all those kind of things, they tie sandbags and try to jump with those things. They double. So imagine if a man is 80 kg and he makes himself 120 kg by putting 5 kg, 5 kg, 10 kg, 10 kg, and he adds all together on his body, wears a backpack, 20 kg, and begins to jump with it. That's training. In training, you carry more weight. In training, you carry more weight for the jump of your life. When you train, you don't train just at the bare necessity. The reason why many of us are not seeing the fullness of God is because we are at bare necessity level. We don't pray enough. We are actually looking for the lazy way to do Christianity. We are seeing how we can touch the world and touch God. We're seeing how we can reduce Sunday services on Sunday to become one hour. We're seeing how we can cut out if there's any prayer meeting. That's not for me. We're not saying, God, how can I attend? How can I be there? We're not pushing. And because we don't have extra weight, we can't run. We can't win when life happens. So some of you win but you just barely win all the time because of lack of capacity. Build your capacity now. The days ahead before conclusion will be darkness days. Build your capacity in spiritual things now. We all have what we love. Some of us, we love worship. We can worship for 10 hours. But sometimes... You need to stop worshiping and pray. Some of us, we love prayer so much. We don't do anything. We just pray, pray, pray. Sometimes you need to stop praying and read the word. 
So you ask me, is it prayer that is more important or is it worship or is it more reading the word? No, they are all together. All together. Fight now so that you can enter into the light of eternity. The light of eternity is now shining. God has released the end times. And this message has to go everywhere. This is the message of the end. From the days of Enoch, God sought for a man. The days of Noah, God sought for a man. God is looking for a man today too. God saw the prophets, Elijah. God saw Ezekiel. We're studying about Ezekiel, the man who became the carrier of the message of God. Guess what God said to Ezekiel to do? God said to him, lie on one side for 390 days and carry the whole burden of Israel on you. God said to like, lie on one side, don't stand up. 390 days, you eat there. And guess what you were supposed to eat? God told him, make a food with, with human feces. You guys read Ezekiel at all? God told him, make, a, make your food with human feces. He begged God and said, God, honestly, I've been a good prophet. I've never eaten anything defiled. Okay, God says, okay, let's make it. Then he says to God, please, can I make it with cow shit instead? God says, okay, you can make it with cow shit. It says, lie on one side. He laid 390 days. That's one year and how many days? Then after that, God told him, lie on your right side for 45 days. 390 days every year that the house of Israel has gone at war and after gone other gods. 49 days or 50 days was for the house of Judah. Every year that the house of Judah had gone after other gods. God made him a prophet who was a messenger in the message. He was so dead to himself. How many of us can do what Ezekiel did? Old Testament prophet. Lie on your side. No go anywhere. No TV. They are calling you. Come. You say, no, I can't come. I'm on my side. 390 days. On your left side, you're not even allowed to turn. Like, you are free. We are so free. You sleep on any side you like. The man who walked with God. Look at Stephen. They said, look for seven men full of the Holy Spirit and power. They found Stephen. Stephen was an amazing guy. Read about him in Acts. Full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of administration. Then he began to preach. He began to preach. After they arrested him, he began to preach. He preached the charisma. He said it from Abraham, Moses. And then he said to them, you stiff naked people always keep killing the prophets. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute and kill? And now, this same Jesus Christ who you killed is now risen and is Lord and Christ. The Bible says when they heard these things, they gnashed their teeth at him and they rushed at him and carried him and threw him down and began to pellet him with massive stones. Just before you think that this guy 
was out of God's will. Guess what happened? The heavens opened. The heavens opened to Stephen. He saw Jesus Christ rising from his throne. He saw the angels waiting to receive the first Messiah of the church. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, Stephen was the first Messiah. He died for the gospel. Heavens received him. Of what use is your life on earth? To live and be 80, to live a ripe old age. And people begin to put obituary for you and you write nice things. Of what use is a 80-year-old life, 90-year-old life of what use? What use? Life on earth is cheap. Live for eternity. Stephen became the heir of heaven. The first fruit from the earth after Jesus Christ. Stephen, the heavens rose up for a royal salute for the man who did not love his life to the death. Who spoke the heart of God to a stiff naked people. If it's us, we will say that young pastor, he was not wise. He did not use wisdom. Pastor Latinus gave a testimony how God told him he must stand up and preach in a plane. I saw some people really having withdrawal symptoms. It wasn't even them, but they were crawling in the audience. Like, I could never do that. You're too earthly alive. What are you ready to do for eternity's sake? What are you ready to do? Live for more. Jesus, the Son of God, lived only 33 years old and he died. If it's today, they would have said, that's a tragedy. He died young. Some people die young. Don't get me wrong. They die young. They never fulfill their purpose. If you don't die, it's to live, to do the will of God. Today, I bring you an invitation to live in the light of eternity. Those who are ready to die will live. Those who are ready to die will live. In your dying, I live. And Stephen gave up the ghost. Pastor Bumi, I would like you to come and pray. And Stephen gave up the ghost. Stephen gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghosts. But his life was a testimony to Saul. Because Saul commanded Stephen to die. And guess what happened? The entire ministry of Stephen was also credited to who? The entire ministry of Saul is also credited to Stephen. When you go to heaven, it was the visage in the eyes of of Stephen that converted Saul. So sometimes one you dying is 
great enough for God. You going to prison is great enough for God. You facing adversity is amazing in God's eyes. Don't say this is hard teaching. This is truthful teaching. You staying single and condemning the world of unrighteousness is great enough in the eyes of God. <laughs> you staying righteous and refusing to compromise is great enough in the eyes of God. There's so many things we worship, like marriage. I said this. Let me say this again. Hadiza may be watching. Hadiza is an amazing babe. She's a good wife. She's a great mom. She's incredible. But honestly, it's from the presence of God I used to get joy that I bring into my home. Let me repeat. My joy is not from my marriage. My joy is from the Lord. I bring the joy of the Lord into my marriage. If I'm not in the presence of the Lord, I will have no joy to bring into the marriage. You guys understand? So my wife was, in those early days when we got married, she would normally stop me when I'm going to leadership meeting in the morning. I know I'm crazy like that. So I've been crazy like this a long time. Sorry. So I will go at 5 a.m. and I won't come back until 11. So some days, I'm on public holidays too, we're going for leadership meetings. She'll stop me and say, ah, ah, are you going again? And I'll just think about it. I'll say, okay, you want me to stay? She says, okay, yes, stay. So I will stay. But she knows that as I'm here, <laughs> after a while of two, three times of me staying, she says, well, I don't have you either. Go. And when I go and come, the joy I have, live for more. Live for the oil that flows from the presence. That's why some of you cannot find joy. You're so sorrowful. You're so sad. Live for the oil. Live in the light of eternity. Eternity living. Tell somebody, you're going to die. Tell someone, you're going to die so that you can live. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.